We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle number 46 with Ken Daly. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. What I'd like to ask you to do is to take a survey to help me understand how I can provide a better podcast for you, those who are listening to it. Just go to transformativeprinciple.com, take a couple of minutes, take the survey that's right there on that landing page, and give me some feedback about how I can make this show better for you about what kinds of things you would like to hear more of on the podcast. And also remind you to refer me some of your principal friends, people that you know that are making a real difference in kids' lives. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, so my name is Ken Daly. I'm a um, high school English teacher. Mostly I teach 11th grade um, in Wallingford, Connecticut. And um, I'm currently on year two of what's a half-time sabbatical. So I'm in a position where every other day I teach and every other day I'm working on um, high school reform initiatives. Um, the, way we, the way our schedule works, we, um, we have block scheduling, so we see our students every other day. And because of that, um, that allows me to basically teach classes on the one day and not have any of the other, which, which again allows me to um, uh, freeze me up to do things like research um, and implementation of some of the initiatives going on in the district right now. Okay, that's pretty cool. Tell me about um, how that how that position started. How do you how'd you get involved with that? How was that set up? We have a we have a superintendent that's certainly very um, eager to uh, make changes, um, and I think that. Um, the way it was told to me, he was uh, he formed a lot of partnerships with businesses in our town, and um, in conversation with one bus one person uh, in the private sector, he heard that um, basically this person by his company had been taken 
um, offline with one other employee um, so that instead of going to work like I normally would, their job was to look at best practices in their industry and see um, um, what improvements could be made. And someone in attendance said, you know, that's interesting. They should really do that with teachers. And apparently that was the beginning of a um, of an idea um, so that basically what happened was they took um, the first year um, two teachers and one administrator offline um, to on an innovation team. And that was a full time one. So they basically came out of the classroom entirely, um, did a lot of research, did a lot of visiting of different schools. Um, and then last year, uh, that was the year that I started on it, and we had one administrator with um, a colleague of mine. Um, and uh, this year, it's just the two teachers um, for a variety of reasons. But I guess the the trick is because as I've, I've gone around um, to conferences and schools, I I mean, this does seem like a pretty rare thing, a rare opportunity. Um, yeah. And um, and there's really, I'm surprised. There's like nothing like it, and it seems to be such a um, I don't know. It's a perfect idea. I think um, it's a lot of work, but it's a, a great idea. And I asked my superintendent point blank, you know, what, why isn't this happening um, more widespread? Because I've had people like at Harvard reach out and say, how do I get something like that? Um, mm -hmm. Former students. And um, apparently the superintendent said, you need someone who's willing to ask for money because essentially what he has done is reached out to businesses in our town, uh, really some already existing relationships. And he asked, um, he basically asked for funding. Um, and that funding, so this is separate from the Board of Ed budget, um, but that funding obviously is crucial um, and pays for someone to take on the classes that I'm not teaching um, the other two days. Um, so again, it's a pretty simple idea, but I think, um, um, you know, really interesting one. And I think if, if change is going to do right, I think a lot of teachers agree changes need to happen. But I mean, there, there are days that I kind of wish I were, it was a full-time situation. But I have to say, to, to do it every other day keeps one foot in the classroom. It means that things we're looking into, I can try out. Um, I, I, it keeps me around my colleagues. Um, it allows me to keep having conversations with them so they know what I'm up to. Um, so I think as much as I feel like I have two jobs, um, it, you know, it's, it's a very unique position. But, but I've got one foot in two different places. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Pretty amazing. So what kinds of things are you looking at? You mentioned uh, high school reform things, but what specifically are you are you spending your time doing on as part of that innovation team? Right. So we were um, I'm actually uh, I got my master's at Quinnipiac University. That's in Hamden. And they were they're nice enough to open up part of their space at their College of Education for my colleague and I. Um, so we, we've actually found it's as much as it's good to be on site the days we teach if um if you're if you're if you're on site on my innovation day, I'm getting I'm going to get sucked into things. Um, I do a lot of stuff for the union, um, and and it's just you you see students, and it's just it's good to to even if it's down the road, um, be off site in order to um, to focus. So we're looking at a few things. I think probably the the biggest thing our district is doing is moving towards um, a mastery based uh, learning system, mm -hmm. mastery based grading and learning. Um, that takes, um, you know, there are lots of different names. In New England, depending on which state you're in, it's either competency-based or it's mastery-based or it's standards-based. All those mm -hmm. words are loaded in different ways for different states. So Connecticut's right. version is mastery. And our last, I don't know, the, the standardized test kids used to take in Connecticut ruined the word proficiency forever. Um, so we've moved away from that. 
Um, but in any case, so that's probably the biggest thing. That's more of a um, multi-year process. It's going to take us a while to get there because I think if that's not done slowly and deliberately, I think it could be a disaster, mm-hmm. although I'm, I'm intrigued by it. But again, it's good for me because I can, I've been bringing some of those grading practices into my classroom. I've had conversations with kids about what they think of it. You know, I'm, I've got two AP, cal- AP classes right now in English, and these are kids who, to be honest, have benefited enormously from traditional grading. Um, and so to ask them some tough questions about shifting that up and to see how they react has been, again, uh, great for me. Um, other things we're working on, um, so the first innovation team did a lot of research, and I guess our job, even though we're researching too, is to start implementation. So we've started some district-wide committees. We have two, te- two high schools in um, our town. So my colleagues on the other side of town. So part of the goal when we form like a mastery-based learning committee is to make sure that we're We've got representation from both sides. Um, we're also working on an issue on, on capstone. So basically bringing a capstone prod project uh, requirement for graduation uh, for seniors. Um, so in the state of Connecticut, that was supposed to be a requirement in 2017. They pushed that back. So basically this year we're piloting 20 kids at each high school are doing a capstone project, which in many ways that's been probably the most implementation work we're doing because that's last year involved us looking at different districts that do capstone well and really taking the best of what they do. Um, and so we've been, we wrote curriculum for it. We, we um, formed a committee to make sure that, you know, we had, we had buy-in from all different types of subject areas. Um, and now we're meeting with the students during the class and things like that. So the capstone's big. And, and I think in many ways, when we look at a shift towards mastery-based learning, the way we've um, personalized learning, the way we've really um, talked about that is that really I think capstone's kind of a it's a really good microcosm for I think that larger shift mm-hmm. um, yeah the various ways kids can can demonstrate the same set of skills but get lots of choices and how they um, how they do that um, and then two other things we, we, we set up a, a bridge academy to, to bridge the gap between um, middle school and high school so we, we worked on and, and, and last summer implemented um, a program for kids that were targeted is at risk for making that um, transition, for, for not making a great transition. So we set up a, a multi-week program to kind of get them ready and get them familiar and kind of build, um, kind of team build for them. And then I'm trying to think, um, <laughs> those are a number of the things we're working on. Um, well, we also were, were, this year we're also piloting credit recovery, uh, basically a system that allows um, students to, um, you know, make up lost credits as they go through the year. I don't know how widespread that is where you are. Mm-hmm. It's very new to us. Um, but again, I think the the strength of this, I I do wear a union hat in district. I, I think that a lot of teachers see a lot of potential for good ideas, but I think a lot of them around the country are maxed out. And I think by having teachers do the grunt work, I, I think that a lot of these initiatives have more, they have more legitimacy, but also you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking like a classroom teacher all the time. It's not good enough for me that it's a good idea. If it's not practical, um, uh, you know, we have to figure out how to make it work um, in ways that um, don't just, you know, we don't just need to do what's right for kids. We need to give teachers what they need to give kids what they need. Um, so I think in that sense, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually really happy with where credit recovery is moving because, you know, the, the, the traditional way to do it is, is basically through, um, 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 through, you know, online, mm-hmm. um, 
credit recovery systems and what we heard from our teachers is they want they want FaceTime with their kids and that's really what they need and, and sticking a kid in front of a computer screen isn't an answer to their uh, academic failure so like insights like that it's teachers talking with other teachers about what's working what's not and I think that's the best chance to not just replicate things um, well but to um, um, you know we're because we're in the school and, and because we're teaching every day I, I just think the problem solving happens kind of in real time. Um, it's not being done to teachers. It's 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 um it's been being done by teachers, and I think that model's a good one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that, and it, it's I imagine that what you say carries a lot more weight than what a an administrator may say when you say, "Look, I've been studying mastery based learning every other day. I've been starting to implement it in my classroom, and I'm doing it with my AP kids who." as you said, have benefited greatly from regular uh, grading systems. And now this is what is, this is how things are changing. This is what is being effective for all my students, mm -hmm. not just the higher, just the low kids, but for sure. everybody. And I think that's really powerful. Yep. You, you said that an administrator was part of the innovation team before, but is not now. What is your um, perception on how that, why that changed? Uh, that's a good question. I think that, to be honest, um, the schedule of a teacher in my building, that we have A days and we have B days, depending on our the courses that day. And therefore, if they take away my B day classes, I can do this work. Um, my principal doesn't operate on A days and B days, you know what I mean? And And so he could, you know, we could call it his innovation day, but if something happened, he needed to be there. Um, so I think that was really the challenge. Um, um, we happened to have an administrative intern that year, which enabled last year, which enabled um, some of the work to be um, handed off. But I think the principal felt a good deal of disconnect. Um, and again, you, you you can't just say it's a B day. You don't have responsibilities. There are things that happen. We have we have two assistant principals as well. But I think that um, I think it's easier to take a teacher offline in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. I, the, the many, many different hats that a principal wears, especially uh, um, um, the building principal. Um, I, I think that that kind of um, that was a that was a pressure, and I think that it's completely understandable. Yeah. So, so now you're with a, another high school teacher, correct? Yep. It's the same. Um, yeah, same woman I worked with last year. That's correct. And then you guys have the same schedule, so you're. Both of your B days are the same and you work together on these things. So you're not just going solo. That's correct. That's correct. And I think that's, that's really important. And like I said, we're, we're, we have two high schools in my town. Um, so this is actually kind of brought that together as well. Um, it is kind of strange how little our, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's something we want to address in the future, but we do not have enough interaction across our high schools. I know that you know, K-12 vertical articulation or, or the integration and conversation between the levels is tricky, but in our district, I think part of the trick is to get the high schools talking too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what does what does a typical innovation day look like for you? Um, so it's, to be honest, I think um, it's, it's really hard to call. It's, 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 it's hard to know. I mean, I, <laughs> we, I know in advance what's going to happen, but but you know there are days that we're, we could be at a conference out of state. There are days where we might be visiting a school um, in Rhode Island from Connecticut. Um, the other day, I um, because we're 
working on we, we did this credit recovery last year and and universally our students while well, our teachers and our students thought it needed to be better so i'm basically revising all the documents from last year's credit recovery um program with my colleague and we're gathering all the information so now we can meet with the teachers and see if the changes we've made based on their feedback is um is what they're looking for and then because a lot of issues around credits and grades and really flow right through school policy we've got to um we've got uh, we had a meeting last week with central office to make sure they were in agreement with what we we're doing now we have to talk to the building level principals to make sure um that so that's um you know it's a lot of work even i mean that easily took up a day mm -hmm. um, we to be honest i mean we, we do spend a good deal of time um doing research we spend a good deal of time in conversation i think that um as these ideas have kind of floated in and and I think too, because I'm teaching, um, there's a significant part of my innovation day. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm afforded the time, it's a luxury to think about what to do, um, how these apply to my classroom. So we spent a, a couple days um, talking to, um, well, working together, coming up with a habits of work rubric because we don't currently have them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and that's a great thing because, I mean, I have, the next day I had students to see. So I walked in with them and asked them what they thought of it um, and got their feedback. So that was great. Um, trying to think of what else. We have these capstone pilot um, programs going. So we're, we're popping into that class, listening to what students have to say um, so that we can shift the curriculum and, and, and make sure that it's even better next year. Um, we have a responsibility to the business partners that are paying um, for this, so so we do update them frequently on what we're up to. Um, I think they're really excited about things like Capstone. My superintendent's ability to to I think reach out to them to get them on board as a business community, and that you know they see young employees, they see what they're capable of and what they're not. And I think um, in some ways, um, our board of education and the business community is actually more knowledgeable about this shift than I think a lot of teachers and parents are right now. So I think that's kind of um, uh, the next step. Um, and um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, my, my days vary enormously. Yeah. Um, and how much how much guidance are you given in what you what you should be doing? Maybe not just each day, but like the initiatives that you should be working on, things like that. I am um, the the initiatives are part of our, I believe they're built into our strategic plan. So, you know, I've got a, there's kind of a menu of things that, that came out of the first innovation team's work about best practices. And a lot of those were things like capstone, personalized learning, mastery-based grading. Um, so I, in looking into them, naturally gravitated towards some versus others. Um, I also, but again, within them, I mean, mastery-based learning, there are a billion things I could work on. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really trying to envision shifting. Uh, I'm thinking about the school calendar right now and ways in which we could build office hours into our school day um, and have that be something that's not just um, utilized fully by students, but utilized by teachers. Mm -hmm. so, and under this mastery-based grading thing, the, the thing I'm thinking of, well, we need flexible time. If we, if we have students not meeting standards, we need the time to, to meet with them. You know, our buses leave seven minutes after the school day is over. And that's problematic. You know, we need to be able to, um, you know, students. If we want a culture of revision, we need to we need to honor the time and set it aside. 
um, so that those conversations can happen. And that actually, in, in large part, came out of when I was returning D work, because even though I had students that needed, I had students that just stepped it up because I kept returning work, but the students that were struggling, that doesn't mean there's time built into our day outside of the class for them to get the help they needed. Um, so I think that's a need. Um, teachers need that time. And I think that we spend so much time in our schools scheduled. I think there's very little time to be human beings. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that being time that, that can maybe be used. But there's some some convincing to do. I mean, there are, I, I like I said, I, I do a lot of union work. I have people in my union that think that's an extra duty. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Board of Ed members that think teachers are going to be idle. Um, and, and somewhere in the middle, we've got to figure that out. Um, so back to your question, I, to be honest, I, there was some broad guidance. I, I'm, a, you know, there, there's not, um, I, I, I really, my superintendent has really allowed us to take this in the direction we saw fit. I'm, I'm actually really happy about that. Um, you know, there's some kind of guiding principles. We meet with them regularly. That's another thing in a, in a district with, with 600 teachers. I mean, we're meeting with the superintendent every two weeks for sometimes a couple hours mm -hmm. and he's getting great insight about what's happening on the ground from those conversations um and again he certainly put some things on our radar here and there um and certainly as we think about moving our district in this direction um you know that makes a lot of sense but um there's there's structure when we need it and there's 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 time to do what we think is necessary when we when we need that too mm -hmm. so what does the the accountability look like I mean, you mentioned that you meet with the superintendent, you meet with the business leaders. What what does it actually look like? What are they, what kinds of things are they looking for to show that their money is being well spent and the superintendent is, is making a good call on having you guys do this? Um, well, that's a good question. I, um, I mean, so far they appear happy they renewed us. Um, <laughs> that's good. And they, gave, and they gave money again. I guess that's the, um, I guess that's the feedback we needed. Um, you know, I think that I think maybe the research part, which was more last year, is probably more difficult to gauge. But I think that I mean, quite literally, we have capstone going, we have credit recovery going, we have bridge academy going, um, and these things. You know, they're they're certainly not perfect, but they certainly reflect the work we put into them. Um, we're constantly giving updates um, to to our colleagues, to um, the kind of business roundtable that funds us, um, and also a think tank group that my superintendent formed um, in town. So I think that that's you know um, that's certainly keeping us focused. Um, and and now that things are implemented, I mean I think they're they're I mean physical things programs exist for people to look at and to assess. And I think. Um, Time is always, um, you know, a, a commodity in short supply, but, you know, we're already, as things have been implemented this year, thinking about how to improve them next year. Mm -hmm. And have you, um, so they renewed you for this year. You don't know if they're going to renew you for next year. Is that right? Um, no, like, and to be honest, I didn't know, I didn't know we'd be renewed this year either. I, you know, as we approach the end of the year, I, I think, um, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to work with the, the colleague that I do. She teaches humanities and psychology on the other side of town. And, it, you know, it's strange. We don't know. We didn't know each other very well at all prior to this, but we really complement each other very well. She's extremely 
savvy with technology. I am extremely not savvy with technology. Mm -hmm. We both have different skill sets that complement each other well. And the best thing is we really, on every important issue in education, we really see eye to eye. So it was around mid-year last year that our superintendent let us know that because we weren't given the full-time sabbatical, um, that it, he thought it made sense for us to um, to do another year um, of this. So, um, so right. Um, and so we took it. It's certainly something I thought about. It wasn't something that I, 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 I'm not saying that I didn't want to do it, but I have to say it's, it's a great deal of work. I mean, I do, I think any teacher in my position, I've gone from five classes down to two. And I think any teacher in my position, there are teachers all over the country, that if you cut the number of their classes in half, they would just devote all the time they used to on five to those two. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's that's essentially um, you know what's happening. So I think the two, it's almost like two jobs, but they kind of blend together. But it's but it's really good work. It's exciting work. And and whenever I get to talk to someone like you, or run into someone at a conference, and we introduce ourselves and explain what we're doing, I I. Um, not that I need it, but I'm often reminded of how rare this is, how much I wish it were replicated around the country, um, because I think, again, um, um, I think putting teachers, empowering teachers to, to do this type of work is, I think, the best way to have it be, um, you know, done done faithfully and, and to be done in a way that's informed by, by kind of everyday struggles mm -hmm. that teachers have. Yeah, so um, I think you said a lot of great stuff. Um, I, I can see how there would be a, a temptation to, to just focus on how this is going to help your particular class, right? Yeah. And, and you're, you're doing that, it, it is helping your particular class, but you're trying to see a bigger picture that is a, a school-wide, district-wide, even nationwide um, picture of how this can help in multiple ways. Um, what are the, the benefits of allowing someone like you to do this for two years and then switching to someone else to give another person that opportunity and what are the benefits of or drawbacks of doing that um that's a really good question i mean i think you you really hit it on the head like i there are two things happening like number one i've been asked to do things that to be honest i that i am i've grown enormously professionally in the last year and a half. I mean, I've just been given opportunities to the meetings with regular meetings with board of ed and superintendents and presentations I've given. There's just a skill set that I've been enabled to develop. But the, the larger thing is if it's not impacting the system as a whole, then, um, you know, it's certainly not just about my growth. So um, that's, I mean, I think there needs to, I think we need to think very carefully about the transition because I think there needs to be some continuity. I think bringing someone new in is a great opportunity to um, add a, a maybe different subject area. One thing about mastery based learning is that we have, we have teachers that are intrigued by it, but I think very quickly the questions go to, we don't need to convince them about why they go to the how. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more teachers in different subject areas we can get involved in this work, the, the better. Um, but I think that transition is important because it took it took some time um, for us to get up and running. Um, and like I said, one of the one of the great things about this was the notion that really ideas were I had the, the time to let ideas sink in. And so how to have the next group that does this have that time 
and at the same time balance that with my desire to really, I, I wish I could just remove the contents of my head and, and place it in theirs because I, I think that a lot of my colleagues would, um, even those that are wary of this, I think a lot of my colleagues would come to many of the same conclusions that I have about this. And, and that's actually the one of the best things about being chosen for this and not being directed about it. My my colleague um, on the innovation team and I have commented that we, we really feel like we've been trusted to just expose ourselves to this these ideas and to, and to come to the right conclusions about them. And um, that time to have been allowed to happen has been great. I also think, too, it might be good for that to shift towards um, uh, middle school. The first innovation team was elementary. Um, and the second was um, was us, which has been extended. So I think that getting middle school teachers involved would be a great thing as well. Um, I think in general, I mean, in some of our reading, a lot of the countries that are touted as being much more successful and better than us educationally, their teachers spend a lot less time teaching and more time collaborating. Mm -hmm. So as much as there's great potential in taking two teachers out of 571 offline, I, I mean, I think honestly, if we want the type of transformational change that I think a lot of us do, we need to, I think, rethink the schedule of the day. I mean, I think that, I think that, um, um, as we try to form committees um, and get people invested in our work, I mean, they're still working at max right now. So I think the more teachers we can do this for, um, uh, the better. But again, the trick is connecting. Connecting that foot of ours that's outside of our school, it's really crucial that that um, information is shared. Um, so again, back to your question, I, I guess, um, there'd be an advantage to the continuity of teachers continuing this but i think the leadership development opportunities um of bringing new people in together with the fresh pair of eyes um together with the fact that my colleague and i are absolutely exhausted um, <laughs> and uh, things like that I, I think that it's 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 better for it to shift and you know it's interesting i've been asked the same thing about the every other day would it be better to be offline completely or would it be better to do it every other day and and even though it's more work i think every other day is probably be better when it can, when it's when it can be done um so cool that's really really fascinating um what are what's one of the things that you think is the um the easiest thing to replicate in a in any district um about the innovation team um well I don't know. A lot of it's not easy. I mean, I guess if it were easy, more people would be doing it, right? Right. I, I you know, as a classroom teacher, I go back to where we started. I, I made the most minimal changes in the way I assess and got immediate results that that um, have changed the way I'm, I'm thinking, not just about assessment, but instruction. Um, and again, if, if that policy comes from an administrator that just doesn't want to see D's on a transcript, I think that's problematic. But if a few teachers start trying these things, and this is where, you know, it's a big ship to steer towards mastery learning. And that's why we're trying to get uh, this committee we formed to really have teachers keep trying this stuff out. And I think, I think on an individual level, um, systemic change is always difficult, but 
one great thing about teaching is the, the 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 autonomy we have in at least a few areas in our classroom and when teachers are given that autonomy and results really good results happen and those teachers converse with other teachers i think it, it spreads um and i'm looking forward to seeing it spread more it's spread minimally now but i think that it's gonna um um you know move more quickly so the easiest stuff has been my classroom stuff because i can do it and I can actually talk to my students. I get immediate feedback. Like, believe me, they let me know very quickly on my how rubric, what did not belong there and what they thought of it. Um, they're, they're really honest. But um, it's the systemic stuff that's harder. I mean, when we, I, I still believe in capstone, but it is a, and, and I can't, who wouldn't believe in something like, like that? Um, and yet it, it really, uh, you know, it really opened my eyes to all the different things that have to go right from the central office level all the way down um, to the classroom level. I mean, a lot of things have to be in place for that to happen um, for for teachers. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of things need to be pulling in the same direction. And that's why I think the biggest challenge is probably the buy in. Like I I don't deny I have some legitimacy as a teacher, but the minute one gets associated with central office initiatives, you, you lose some, too. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, the, the trick is to kind of connect back. Um, so uh, did that answer your question? You asked what was it? Uh, yes. I asked what districts could do to um, to start implementing parts of the innovation team um, without having all of the the funding and everything. Without having to ask for money, yes. Um, yeah. Um, but I think you answered the question because you said it's about getting teachers to talk about these things and it's about getting teachers to have an opportunity to have buy in in the yeah. in the issue. And, you know, what I what you didn't say, but what I read from what you said was that teachers need an opportunity to discuss this and then they need an environment where they can try these things and it's OK if it doesn't turn out perfectly. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, you, yeah, because it doesn't go perfectly. And that has to be, you, you clearly need a, a culture of trust. You need to get, you need to, you know, I needed backing for an administrator to try these things out. And to be honest, some of it's not a good fit. I mean, when you, you know, the only thing worse than massive systemic change all at once is when you're trying to tweak things and other things are getting in the way. Mm -hmm. It's rating is one of those things. But I, I also highlight what my, what my superintendent did. I, you, you know, the, the, the conversation with business leaders and the community needs to start. It, it, it needs to take place. I mean, when those when those when that's not initiated by districts, then then it goes the other way. You, you just have outside entities telling districts what they should be doing. And obviously, my my superintendent didn't start the conversation with I need money to take two teachers offline. There were relationships built over a couple of years and some philosophy and that. Um, after taking those initial steps, something like this becomes something like this becomes possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, relationships and taking time to build those relationships goes, you know, in all directions, not just superintendent to businesses, but superintendent to principals down to teachers, to parents sure. and students and, and all that kind of stuff. And you have to have that relationship and that credibility with your students for sure. them to actually say how your rubric is not um yeah. not accurate and not helpful to them you know yeah so. and, and i'm i have no doubt i wasn't in the room but i have no doubt my superintendent likely began those conversations by asking them what they were saying in their employees you know what i mean like what what are you um you know but it's by listening to people and their concerns because 
initiatives in our district that have addressed what teachers deal with each and every day are the ones that that catch fire and ones that ones that are just dropped down based on a perceived need um, are I think doomed to um, doomed to not go very well. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also say that you know I think a lot of this stuff can be done small scale. Like I don't, you know, a a, a class could do a capstone project. Um, it's not as maybe as um, you know, to have teachers just simply take a unit of their instruction and give students more choices, um, open up the possibilities for assessment of it, to, you know, to, for an English teacher to say, you know, even we're going to work on writing skills, presentation skills and research skills and just let students choose how they're going to demonstrate that and give them time, I think is is capstone on a very small scale. Mm -hmm. uh, and and we've started very small. We started with a pilot of 20. Um, I think in our in our fantasy world, we're going to go from 20 at each high school to 250 or 300 at each high school for next year. That is that is thankfully not going to happen. Um, <laughs> we're going to expand it to a couple more because um, honestly, we we want it to go well. Um, Capstone is also going to engage the community in ways that hasn't been before, right. and it's a very public thing, which means we want it to go very well. Um, and actually, I think I mentioned my email. We just we just negotiated. I was negotiations chair for my union. And, you know, we're in a town that doesn't always want to um, fund education. And to be honest, if I flash forward five, 10 years when students are doing internships out in the community and community members are attending capstone presentations, I, I have to think that the um, conversation is going to be a lot different. Mm -hmm. Like when when parents and non-parents see our students and work with them, I think that um, I think it's going to increase their willingness to, to fund what we're doing and to be on board. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so powerful to get them involved in in not just being a parent, but in being a community member and seeing the kids and having that be public. I think there's a lot of real value in that. So um, before we close, what uh, what advice do you have for a principal who's who's thinking about about empowering his teachers more and giving them more opportunities to be innovative? What advice do you have for that principal to to help them start something like this, even if it's small? What what things do they need to be doing? Well, I mean, that's the trick. I mean, I, I think in some ways I'm more freed up than my principal is to work on this stuff. Um, and I guess uh, I mean, the trick is, I think this has to be this. I think some priorities have to be framed um, because you can't just to hand over the reins, but at the same time, in the case of my superintendent on a district level, by by laying out some possibilities and then after that, trusting that if you find the right people, that they're going to um, they're going to take it in the right direction. I, I think a lot of it's trust. I mean, you know, teachers, the, the right teachers given time, I think most teachers are going to use that time to um, to to address things that they're facing in their classroom all the time and i would also say you know there's a part of me i'm i'm getting my i'm getting my administrative certification i'm working on it now and i'm i'm up in the air i don't know if i want to take that plunge or not but i um i i in one reason i hesitate is i just i really think that our our teachers are in the best position to identify what 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 needs to happen moving forward in the same way that I think our students know more than sometimes teachers give them credit. I think that um, um, I think that principals really have to be have the trust and 
to empower the right teachers to, to, to kind of come to the right conclusions about things because we're the ones that see, uh, we're the ones that feel the impact. And I think um, since I don't think there's any, there's, I, I just don't see any initiative working without without buy-in. And I, and I think the way they do that is to bring teachers on board very early. And I think we have found too, um, what thing we're moving towards this year that we didn't do enough of in the past is really bringing more students into the conversation on our committees. I mean, why, why didn't it immediately occur to us that we needed students on a committee that was going to create a capstone project? I mean, that's such a no-brainer that we forget. And I think that sometimes administrative administrators forget that that at the at the the, the boots on the ground are the teachers and the students. Um, and so when you get them involved and, and get them on the same page, I think it's a, a powerful opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ken, I so appreciate your time today and helping me learn more about what you're doing and sharing with all the people who listen. What um, Where can people go to get a hold of you or learn more from you, a website or contact information that you're willing to share? Uh, sure. My my email address is kdaily, that's K-D-A-L-Y, at wallingford.k12.ct.us. Uh, uh, and actually, if you reach out to me, I can send you the um, a, a couple websites that my colleague and I have been working on. So that would be, a, that'd be great. Great. Can I put those in the show notes? Can you send those to me and I'll, I'll just share them with everybody if that's all right? Sure. Piece of cake. Great. Thank you so much again. And uh, I've learned a ton. I know a lot of people are going to learn a ton. And, and hopefully this is something that we can start spreading across the nation. So thanks so much for your time, Ken. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.